Hello, Gen X Talking Team. We've got a special guest we are talking with today. He and Ed have known each other for a period of years. Uh, Ed, would you like to introduce our guest today? Sure. Hey, Gen Xers. Ed Watson here. And today we've got an old friend of mine from the military uh, with special guest, uh, U.S. Naval Reserves, Lieutenant Darren Wisdom. Darren, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, good morning, Ed and Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on. Feeling good. Uh, happy to be here with you guys this morning to, to chat with you guys. Outstanding. It's good to have you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, brother. And I want to give everybody a little bit more uh, context and background and everything. Darren and I were in the military together at the same joint base, uh, working on an, a project with uh, related to uh, Southcom and that area. So we, we met each other in uh, working with, with JTF Gitmo. I was out there in um, Army Intelligence doing some activities there at that time. And uh, I was a staff sergeant. And Darren, uh, I saw and, and I met him there. He was, uh, I believe you were an E5 at, or an E6 at, at first. Yeah. And then you picked up Chief. Yeah. 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 Later you picked up Chief. And Darren and I um, met through the hallways a few times, chatted a few times, hung out a couple of times. And what I noticed and really liked about Darren is, uh, and now he's a lieutenant, so I'll say Lieutenant Wisdom. <laughs> what I like about Lieutenant Wisdom is I could immediately identify he's and recognize he's one of those guys that really goes to bat for his troops. But at the same time, while he uh, could nurture when he had to, he could also uh, be that velvet glove in an iron fist and i saw him come down on a couple of troops as well so it, it indicated to me he had a strong care for his troops and and uh, their well well-being and uh we've we've been really good friends ever since then we've met each other in the dallas area a couple of times um so there's the kind of the background on darren and i know that uh, the first question i've got for you darren is i know you said you were in naval basic training on the day of September 11, 2001. Walk us through that day. What was going on with, with the training environment and everything on the Naval base? Sure, Ed. Um, so yeah, you're taking me back there. Uh, you know, it was good working with you at, in Gitmo. Um, you know, made a good friend for life there. Uh, so yep. for that, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I graduated high school summer of 2001 and, uh, you know, I had big plans for my life to join the Navy and pay for college. Uh, yep. You know, like most kids at that time, you know, I was 18, had no clue of the world, hadn't really traveled much. Uh, and I was, you know, shipped off to basic training and, and, uh, at the end of that summer and uh, 2001. And I recall that, you know, we got that initial phone call to call our families and let them know we were alive and well. And, you know, we hadn't spoken to them for about a month now. And we were getting, uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday because my little sister's birthday is that day. She, she's a 9-11 baby. I'll never forget. No one ever forgets her birthday. But uh, we, were, we were getting our first phone calls that day. Uh, like, you know, legitimate, I think like 10, 15 minutes, we were able to make phone calls. And I was looking forward to that day, you know, give my sister a call and chat with her. And of course, that day didn't happen because of the, you know, the tax on 9-11, and understandably so. But, you know, you're in basic training. You have no idea what's going on. There's sirens going off. Uh, you see people running around, you know, skies falling kind of mentality. And, of course, we, you know, we're not even in the military yet, essentially. We haven't passed 
and been uh, you know inducted in as a as a as a military member because uh, we haven't passed basic training yet. So we're you know we don't even matter when it comes to knowing what's actually mm-hmm. happening. And they've you know completely cut us off from technology at that point. You know, cell phones weren't as rampant. You know, the internet was barely in its infancy, so no one had a you know prison cell phone, if you will, uh, to find out what was going on. They, I remember the instructors, the, the drill instructors, they they marched us back to our barracks, um, and then they came in and they told us what had happened. They had us all sit down. It was kind of a, a you know it was a break from the constant you know getting yelled at and, and you know but yelled at with a purpose, but, you know, they, had, they became more human in that moment. And they, uh, you know, they sat us all down and, uh, they explained to us what had happened. I think there was about 96 of us in that, in that, uh, in that, uh, basic training class. And, you know, everybody was just in shock. You don't know what's going to happen next. You know, again, you know, being an 18 year old kid, you have no idea, you know, you're now you're scared. You're like, Oh man, you know, so for what the potential of what I signed up for is happening, and not only is it happening, but I haven't even really made it through and it's happening now. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, then they showed us the videos of everything that occurred. And uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar, you know, you go through that different stages of shock, if you will. And, you know, and then it's anger and now it's resolve to, um, you know, to support and defend your country to, to go after these guys in any way you can. And really that's, my career, I've been in 20 years now, and it's literally just been this fight, you know, counterterrorism, if you will. Uh, yeah. Started that day. Well, I was just thinking, you know, with that with that thought in mind, I've I've heard that story a couple of different times and how how it's affected people, uh, n- not only personally, but professionally. And I was just wondering, do you feel like that like that event changed your life? And and in what ways do you think it changed it? Sure. Um, and that's a great question, Matt. And obviously, you know, it's impacted everybody in different ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but for me personally, you know, I was 18 years old. Right. You know, I grew up. The U.S. is untouchable. We'd never mm-hmm. had anything you know, like this happen. You don't expect anything like this to happen. Not to us, at least. And not in the dramatic fashion that, you know, that it happened. You know, you really grew up overnight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to, your your mindset now shifts from we're in peacetime to now. Not only are we in wartime, but this this is a threat, and this this threat is existential to you know the country that I love and the ideals that that I support. You know, because these guys are real bad guys. Yeah. Um, they you know they will hesitate at no you know they will not hesitate to you know to to kill you or your family or your children they just they're they're wicked and so you know i will say I, I, for me it impacted me you know because i grew up overnight when this happened um you know immediately you know you were expected to perform you were expected to you know take it serious everything that was happening and 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 what we were trying to accomplish you know the last 20 years it's just been the focus on you know, counterterrorism and going after these guys and trying to stop them, slow them down, you know, defeat them. It's been a wild ride. So we've seen how that's, or heard how that's kind of impacted your professional life a little bit. How has it affected your personal life? Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely affected, you know, personal life in that I'm a little bit unique in that when I joined the service, um, 
I wanted to see the world. I wanted to travel. Now, you know, the, the, the events of 9-11, you know, changed the type of travel I was going to get to do. Uh, yeah, dramatically. <laughs> yep. But it didn't change my desire to be out there, right? I was single, obviously, at 18 when I joined. And, I, and for me, it was one of those, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be out there. I'm never going to take a shore, a shore tour, if you will. Um, right. You know, like we have these seashore rotations. Usually you're out for three, you're home for three. Uh, I never took those. So I was constantly gone. Uh, you know, I went from sea tour to sea tour to sea tour. Um, so, you know, on a personal level, you know, I, I, I you know, relationships back home. I, you go, you know, I went 18 months without seeing my parents, siblings, things like that. Um, but, you know, they supported me and understood, you know, what we were doing and uh, as a nation, you know, defending our nation. But, you know, definitely, uh, you know, personal relationships, you know, you lose some friends or you, you, know, but you gain some new ones that gain, you know, brothers for life and sisters for life uh, in the service. About five years ago, six, well, six years ago, I deployed to Afghanistan and, you know, my first marriage uh, ended. I can't say it was, it was a result of that, but, you know, I definitely had some impacts because I was gone quite a bit, but, you know, my children, uh, you know, it's hard to explain to them, you know, Hey, dad's got to go as I, you know, I try to explain to them, you know, Hey, you know, dad's going to go fight the bad guys so that you can, you know, <laughs> keep going to soccer practice. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I definitely can say though, that I've had a lot of family support. Uh, you know, they may not understand uh, exactly, you know, what, why, you know, I'd want to do this for this long, uh, but they definitely support. Uh, so, yeah. you know, that's, that's huge to definitely, you know, to have that, that support. Yeah. Outstanding. Hey, Darren, you mentioned, you mentioned something that was very interesting and that was you introduced the concept of the United States being kind of this powerhouse and it has for years and years for most of my life that I, I've thought of it as the greatest country in the world. And I still do. Right. Yep. Um, at one point in time, I was having a conversation with a uh, I guess he's probably a millennial. Um, so he's a little little bit younger than a little bit younger, probably in his uh, early 30s now. And and this was back when he was in his 20s and he's having this discussion about, yeah, the United States has been a powerhouse for basically my entire life. Maybe it's time for somebody else to be a powerhouse now. And I just about took his head off. In a, in a, you know, kind mentor way, you know? Mm -hmm. So my, my, I guess my question back to you, Darren, is how do you feel that, that patriotism uh, might've played a part in how you responded to the nine 11 event? I, I bleed, you know, red, white, and blue. I mean, this country is the greatest country on earth. I mean, it's the only country in the world where you can come from anywhere and become something. It's all about what you're willing to do, what you're, you know, how hard you're willing to work. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm a child of my mother is a, is a Mexican, you know, she's a naturalized U.S. citizen. She came over. She's living the American dream. She's, you know, educated, yes. works, you know, makes a lot doctors, millions and millions of dollars a year through the business marketing that she does. She wouldn't have had this opportunity in Mexico. Yeah. You know, my 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 father, his 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 grandparents immigrated, you know, World War One over from Austria. And we all know that. You know, that place was devastated, not just in World War One, but World War Two. You know, they became successful here in this country. You know, they had all this, these opportunities afforded to them. And this is the only place in the world that you can do that. Um, I believe in our what our founding fathers, you know, wanted for this country. I believe in the ideals and the principles. 
And I believe that they're worth fighting and dying for if necessary. I mean, this is the greatest country on earth. And, you know, to your point about these millennials, you know, that say these things, I think it comes from a lack of of understanding and a lack of knowledge, um, true knowledge. And I don't mean that, you know, there's only held by certain people, but, you know, there's something to be said to actually have gone out and experienced the world a little bit. And you can see how bad things are in these other countries. I'll give you a quick case and case study on this. I have a cousin who's a really intelligent kid, smart kid, um, but, you know, he's educated in the UCLA's and USC's of the world. And he's also in, into he's a social worker. About a decade ago, it was all about Cuba. You know, it's a great country. It's a great place. They take care of their people. And I always just told him, I said, buddy, just just go there. I I wish you could get a chance to go there. And when finally uh, it was opened up a little bit recently, he went and I can tell you it damaged him, you know, emotionally and psychologically. It was not what he was expecting. I wish these kids would get a chance to go and see that. And, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but if you look at, at who could, who could potentially be number one, right? If it's not us, well, you really just, you lean to the left, it's China. You lean to the right, it's Russia really, right? Let's just, for the sake of this conversation. Well, when you're number one, you get to make the rules. Amen. I like the, I like <laughs> the rules. I like the rules that our country has. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't have this freedom in these other countries. We couldn't even have this conversation right now in that's Russia right. or China. Yeah, that's, that's right. an interesting point. Hey, I want to I follow up with that, uh, Darren, along those same lines. And uh, I discussed this with you previously. Uh, for our listeners, they, they may not realize this is not scripted. Uh, this isn't going to be live. We're, it's, we're recording this. Right. Although it's not scripted, uh, we have communicated with you a little bit on some questions that we're going to ask. And we're, we're trying to keep this into a, a fairly a, a discussion within certain um, you know, markers because we're talking about this uh, you know, somber honor and remembrance of the September 11, 2001 attacks, I'm having a hard time reconciling a lot of things about the whole incident because I do recognize that 9-11 did change my life. I'd been in the military previously, and after 9-11, I went back in the military, and that was the opportunity to learn Arabic and do all this other stuff again. And since I've been around the world again on some tours there in, in the global war on terrorism, I've seen and experienced personally firsthand a lot of different things that we're not going to get into in this episode. But I want to um, try to understand from your perspectives, because you and I have talked about things like a little bit politically, too. And we're, we're fairly moderate. We're not like all up on Trump or we're not all up on Biden. And we kind of, I think we, because maybe because of our backgrounds, we have a little bit uh, broader and more moderate uh, viewpoints, but what do you tell, uh, you know, because as soon as I posted a, a, an alert, kind of like an alert or notice notification on this on my Facebook, that, Hey, Gen X talking is going to have this episode. And we're going to talk to some, um, some people who are basically still actively in the fight or who are on the ground when something happened or whatever. Uh, and it's going to be an episode about 9-11. Um, 99% of my Facebook friends and family are a little bit right-leaning and they're all supportive of it. But there's always that one heckler out there. And that one heckler, as far as I know, is a 25-year-old uh, Caucasian from Corinth, Texas, 
who, as far as I can tell, grew up in about a 3,800 square foot house <laughs> on the lake um, with uh, an RV and a boat and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and if, if you want to be a, you know, try to march for various things, I, I get that. But his question to my post was, are you guys going to talk about conspiracy theories like it's a hoax, the U.S. government did it, uh, more people are dying of coronavirus? You know, they they get a little bit of education and they think they, they want to get involved in these uh, slippery slope type arguments. Do you have uh, members in your military that you see that are like that? And how, what's your thoughts? How do you respond to the millennials and Gen Zs who were born around that time and never knew America except mm -hmm. to be the America that's under attack and not just terroristic attack, but like a social media attack, attacking the fiber of our culture. How do you respond to that? Like conspiracy theory and um, America needs to, you know, just level out or, you know, maybe America just going away is a good thing or no borders. How do you, how do you respond to all that, Darren? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question. I think, so So first off, I think, I will say this right off the bat, I think because of the, the times that we live in, there is so much information out there that, that's including misinformation, right? So right. there's so much information out there that we're actually not as intelligent as we think we are because we have access to all this information. Well, the problem is now is now you're having to sort through that information to try to find out what is an actual reliable, accurate, relevant source, right? And one thing that they teach us in the military, and Red, you know about this specifically in intelligence, but even if you're in education and you're writing a paper, you have to source your documents, right? Right. Yeah. Where are you getting this? I mean, you got, where are you getting this from? You know, so we, as we can verify it, right? The validity of it. Um, you know, people who work in science and medicine have to do this all the time. They don't just create a drug and then we start pumping it into people's body because, you know, some doctor said, oh, you're good to go, you know, or it was blessed by a priest. It doesn't, this isn't how this works. So I would challenge people to uh, verify the information of the sources that they're, you know, believing in. Right. right. Um, and, you know, and that also goes back to, you know, who is the source of the source also? You have these college professors that say things or believe certain ways, but you know where are they getting that information from? Right? Do they uh, have a bias? Yeah. When, were they were they in Cuba fifty years ago, right? When it wasn't right. bad, or were they in North Korea fifty years ago when North Korea was better than the living situation in South right. Korea, only because of the economies of of of, uh, of Russia and or Soviet Soviet Union and China supporting them? Anyways, get a little off base there, but. And you guys know this as well. Everybody knows this. If I Google something with a slant, I'm going to get the slant I want. Yes. Yep. Right. So, you know, again, it comes back to what do you want? Do you want the truth or do you want your version of the truth? So, I mean, that's, again, it, gets, it comes back to the misinformation that's out there. And when I talk about misinformation, we know for a fact that there are adversaries out there uh, that are punching in and plugging in a bunch of misinformation. One of the ways that adversaries seek to destroy somebody is they look at all the options that they had. Well, one of the options is let's destroy them through misinformation. Let's get them to fight each other over things right. that, that are social hot topics. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I challenge people from the left and from the right, from presidency to presidency, what really changes? Yeah. What really changes from these core, you know, uh, uh, executive agendas, what changes? 
Right. And mm-hmm. you see something's changed, right? But right now, Biden, for example, he hasn't changed the border policy that Trump had in place. It's a mess down there. I agree because he hasn't taken any real action, but he, he has not changed what Trump has put in, mm-hmm. in place. And what I'm getting at is, is that these guys at the top, they're, they're, goal is to run this nation and to manage this nation and they'll say whatever they have to during elections on the left or the right to get elected but then they get in line and they run this country do you think Mm -hmm. that president joe biden is sitting in the executive office of the white house and worried about abortion rights yeah no if you turn on the news right now he's worried about those american citizens he has to evacuate from afghanistan right now yeah right Right. You know, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about abortion rights. He's not talking about BLM movement. He's not. It's convenient for a time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nothing really changes from president to president with regards to their exact the way they run this nation. They still want mm-hmm. what's best for this nation. I, I believe that. I was going to say in our line of work, we rubbed elbows a lot with PSYOP. And a lot of people don't understand what PSYOP is, but from an intelligence perspective, we know that the U.S. Does, does these types of studies all the time. We do strategic analysis and PSYOP type work. And we look at a foreign country that may be adversarial, such as, for example, maybe China. And we try to look at what their social and cultural vulnerabilities are. And we do the same thing. We plant a lot of misinformation and a lot of dissent in there. Like you take China. We support the Uyghurs and the Uyghur movement in China. It's a huge Muslim movement in China that China is uh, outright trying to suppress. So as it relates to 9-11 and our, you know, everything that happened in our lives, uh, I think it's one of the more deep cultural and social impacts that I experience um, almost monthly somebody asks me something on Facebook or some other social media, if they understand my background and I'm posting stuff that they ask about the, the conspiracy theories and, and such. So um, I appreciate you uh, going through and, and laying down some uh, information to inform and, and educate. Uh, what other uh, thoughts do you have, Darren? So just regarding the conspiracy theories, because I mean, the big one in the room is, you know, nine 11, right. Everybody likes yep. to say it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to be honest with you guys, like, and you've worked for the government, Matt, I don't know exactly, you know, what, how much time you spent working for the government. I know that you've, you, you do some stuff for the government, um, but the government is so disorganized when it comes to, when it comes to certain things and planning, planning is one of those things and execution of plans. Mm-hmm. And the government is notorious for taking a very long time to plan something out. And then, you know, but they're, what they're good at is we've identified problems in the plan and then we're going to correct these, but it takes time. Um, so when I sit there and I listen to, you know, oh yeah, they, they planned this. I have a hard time believing that they could coordinate this type of operation mm-hmm. with illiterate terrorists from another country. I mean, you think of the, the conspiracy, right? I mean, it would have, it would have to include Saudi Arabia, the United States, uh, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. wealthy people. I mean, it's just, you, you just, when you start trying to connect the dots, they just don't connect. Some, some anomalies are easy to point out. And some of those of anomalies, I, I can actually 
I, I actually kind of think of myself because there's, there's some things I don't have a very easy reconciliation of, you know, we can talk about all that kind of stuff in a separate um, episode later, maybe uh, uh, an episode with a little bit less gravitas because we want this episode to be uh, somber remembrance in honor of uh, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. But yeah, there's things like, you know, how did they find this passport in the, in the wreckage um, tower seven, things like that. We can discuss those kind of things, but overall um, there's, there's some fairly laid out historical fact and it's very well documented and everything. And we've gone through, you know, we weren't on ground zero, you and I, but we've been elsewhere where we've seen, well, there's 7 billion people on the planet, almost eight. Now there's, there's just no way that you, you have this much information and even our intelligence apparatus as as grand as it is because it's the largest most technologically advanced intelligence apparatus ever it it can gather a lot of information but it it even internally if you're trying to develop automated collection and and assimilation and analysis of of certain data points a lot of that is erroneous you you have to look at a lot of different things you have a lot of human eyes on it we have probably tens of thousands of human analysts that can't sift through all this data. Imagine all the times you're on, you're on a phone call, you're, you're on social media, everything else like that. And there's that many people, probably uh, almost a billion people a day on TikTok, Instagram, and all that other stuff. And the one thing you do see is misinformation. So I think that's one thing that, that uh, is prevalent in my mind, but 9-11 9-11 was just probably the biggest game changer. I think it's probably the biggest, one of the biggest days in, in human history, all of human history. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I was, I was actually uh, thinking of a couple of different things. Um, one of the things, I understand the concept of wanting to keep this to a somber note. But one of the things that I try to do is I try to look at things from the positive side as well, right? Yeah. And it's it's clear that there are very difficult uh, things that came from the event and they changed our lives, changed my life, uh, changed you guys. Um, and this may seem like a strange, a strange question, but can you think of any positive things that came from that event, um, whether personally, professionally or, or consider how the U.S. might have changed anything like that, Darren? Yeah, I mean, so on a po- I mean, on a positive note, I can tell you that I love this country even more, and I believe even more in what we're trying to do. Uh, I mean, that that for me is number one. Number two, you know, on a positive note, you know, everything that I am today, everything that I've accomplished has been because of one, this country, but two, my service to this country. You know, I've learned a lot, I've traveled a lot, met a lot of people, and been able to you know advance in my personal career. Uh, and I've met a lot of great people along the way. And, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the positives out of that is just has been, you know, this experience that I've had, um, you know, I have more faith in our country and their resolve. Um, you know, I, I just, I can't foot stomp that enough. That the bad guys are out there. They want to mm-hmm. kill you and your family. And, you know, this event just solidified that and, and my resolve to, to defend my country. Yeah. Yeah, on a personal level, that's been the, really the, the most positive thing for me is just believing even more in what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think it was a huge, a, a, a unifying thing, uh, regrettably. I, I, I was saddened that it took an incident like this to unify the country 
to where it needed yes. to be. And ever since then, it's just been left and right division again. Um, and, and we've got um, now it's kid, kids of ours, not me personally, but uh, if I had kids, they, they would be of age to be in the service and they're going out there in harm's way. You know, you're either there's two types of people out there. There's uh, traveling companions and useful idiots. And I'm not saying uh, you're like one of those George W. Bush adages. You're either with us with us or you're with the terrorists. But people on both sides, when they're on social media anyway, they make it sound like that. And they need on social media, they need to get rid of that. And when they're in person, face to face out in public or whatever, it seems like everybody's more moderate. I'd really like to see America tone down the uh, social media rhetoric and get unified and uh, do do their uh, due diligence research online, not not necessarily research like you're doing a PhD dissertation, but you know, all, it, you got Google there, just Google a few things real quick and, and put a few sources together before you uh, just read a meme. And, and I see this coming from college educated kids. They just, they just jump on a meme bandwagon and, and they actually believe this stuff. And then they get passionate about it and uh, they don't understand the division they're creating and the threat of the enemy and the way the enemy works. And that that's probably disinformation that's been intentionally sowed in there somewhere. Darren, I, I want to, I want to say two things. First of all, man, I love the resolve. You, you yeah. started that, that last discussion with, man, I love my country even more. And that's a beautiful yeah. thing. So again, I can't tell you how many times, uh, thank you for your service. So definitely appreciate it. Um, but you also mentioned the fact that you travel so much for, and you probably do more uh, additional travel personally as well, but, but yeah. most of it being professionally in, in what you do, do you have like, first of all, a favorite place and second of all, a favorite person or, or group of people that you've met that you like, I, I, I love this. Like, for example, um, best place for me, because most of my travel is, is personally best place for me, probably Oslo, Norway, actually beautiful place. Loved, loved the art up there. And I'm not really, I'm not even an artsy guy at all. But the art was incredible. The people were people were very, very nice. So do you have any in any kind of favorite place and, and favorite uh, people? Well, you know, it's it's I will say that's tough because, you know, although the world is big, you know, it's gotten a lot smaller. Uh, you know, we're able to travel a lot more. And I will say that although also we're we're here in the United States, we're not that much different than anybody else. And there's a lot of great cultures and places out yeah. there. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just an amazing, so it's difficult to pick a, a number one. I will say that I do enjoy um, traveling to Brazil. My wife is Brazilian, so we travel yeah. to Brazil. And, you know, I love the beaches. Um, I love, you know, I personally, I'm a water guy, so I like scuba diving. You know, it's great down there. The food is great. People are nice. Uh, it's not okay, as dangerous. Not, not, okay. To, not to interrupt, but Brazil, Sao Paulo or Brazil, Rio? So, so I've been to all those places, but... So I will say this, Rio is, is beautiful based on just its location. I mean, if you haven't been yeah. there, it's magnificent. Oh, I mean, man. the location is, is just amazing. Um, now, my wife is, is from the Sao Paulo area, but I like, I even like uh, going up north to Recife. The uh -huh. beach is up yeah. there. It's, it's nice, man. Um, 
and again, I like the food, right? So my mom is, is Mexican. So the, the food is a lot of similar, you know, like really good beans and rice and a lot of, uh, you know, really good, uh, meat cuts and things like that. You guys know Brazilian steakhouses and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, you guys are in Texas too, so you guys yeah. can appreciate a good cut. But yeah. um, I will say people-wise though, the friendliest people that I've ever met were from the Philippines. Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I mean, cool, man. Yeah, Filipinos I, I mean, are friendly. They're so friendly. And the ties. I like the ties too. They're very friendly. So oh, yeah. friendly. Um, so I like the Philippines too. Um, it's a little dangerous there uh, in some areas, but oh, yeah. um, but it's beautiful and the people are friendly. So I would say like the place I like to visit the most is Brazil, but the people I like the most probably the Filipinos. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I've been so, to all those places too. I think I, I think the best chicken I ever had was Brazilian. I Crazy good that. chicken, man. <laughs> yeah, man, they got some good food out there. Hey, at least I got the chicken. <laughs> That's like, at least i can remember the chicken yeah good okay so um so i had just just two more questions ed do you have any other any other questions you'd like to ask i don't have any other questions I, uh, i'll just see where we're going at towards the end and, and mm -hmm. see if we have any follow-up uh when we close out okay good deal so two two last questions and i'll i'll start with one let you answer it and then the last one so you've worked in security for most of your life. Uh, what are some simple things that you can share with, with the audience that um, might teach them how to protect themselves in everyday life? Sure. So I will say protecting your persona online, right? Uh, you know, ensuring that you do have uh, the security features in place so that you just can't be found or that people can't just steal your photos off, copy, paste, things like that. Uh, you'd be surprised what people can do with the information that's out there. In my civilian job, I work for uh, the Defense Counterintelligence Security Agency. Uh, it's a Department of Defense uh, agency that we conduct uh, background investigations and counterintelligence uh, services for the for the federal government. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people um, uh, are, are attempted to be blackmailed or fished um, based on the mm. information that they have that's out there online. So for young women, especially, and men uh, sending nudie pics to each other or people that you just met, uh, you know, on match.com, uh, chances are that, 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 especially for the men, if a woman is asking for a naked picture, first, that should be a red flag because most women yep. don't ask for that. Um, and two, if you snap that to them, you, there might be an extortion attempt. Uh, but, you know, online security, um, also on your wallets, uh, you know, there's these uh, machines that bad guys use to rip your information from your credit cards. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a um, credit card skimmers. Yeah. Yep. There's a, I forgot what it's called, but uh, you can place it in your wallet and it actually, uh, you might yeah, have I've got one, one of those. Yeah. It's like a thick um, electronic gate card yep. key. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Just, just stick that there and it'll, it'll protect you. Um, you need but, you, to, know, you need that, especially when you're traveling into places like Russia. Absolutely. Taking you know these these steps to just well how how available or how accessible is my personal information out there and what what are some steps that I can take right to, to protect myself um, you know just being honestly very logical and rational about it like does everybody need to know about this or um, you know and not everyone online is your friend <laughs> hardly anybody online is my friend <laughs> imagine that I'm your friend Ed I'm your friend. <laughs> um, and and I will I will add this: if you are 
if there's an extortion attempt, don't give into it. Contact, if, you know, if you're not in the, in the federal government or if it didn't happen at work, um, if it happened on your own, you know, contact, you know, local law enforcement to assist you in that. The worst thing you can do is, is, is give them uh, a money uh, because then it also continues, you know, their efforts on the next person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then also for your older listeners, uh, I mean, it's common knowledge, but it's worth repeating. You know, don't provide any personal information over your over the phone uh, to people calling you soliciting things. Uh, you'd be surprised. You know, I'll call someone for an investigation to just set up an appointment. And the gentleman is a little older, elderly. And, uh, you know, he'll call me back and leave me a voicemail and he'll leave me his social security number on the voicemail. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Mm. I had to, I had to call him back and say, Hey, sir, you know, you did get the right agent, but there's a lot of impersonators out there. And if I was a bad Don't guy, do that. And now I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do find it interesting that you, uh, that you started the whole thing with cyber because yeah. that will be a, you know, a future episode that we'll be, we'll actually be talking through and we'll have a, a cyber specialist actually come in and, and talk with us on that. Good. So that's, that's yeah. pretty yep. exciting. And, and just knowing that you, even in your, in, you know, in your world of, of military and travel and so on, cyber is like bing, number one yep. that comes it to is. your mind. That's so it's, it's yep. a, it, uh, it really lends itself to understand how, uh, how much cyber is affecting everything around us. I was just, I was just reading, a. am uh, in the process of reading a book on uh, the, the risks of critical infrastructure. And one of the number one things they say is it's not people, you know, physically going and attacking, although that's a possibility attacking a generator or attacking a, you know, a, a substation or something like that. But, but it's, it's more cyber and, you know, a particular nationality coming in and, yeah. And essentially holding the whole critical infrastructure hostage, controlling yeah. it however they want to. So, yeah, and it's happening more and more. I mean, you just for your listeners, I mean, Colonial Pipeline that just happened. Some of y'all probably oh. were impacted by that. I mean, that, that's that's a that's a great example yeah. Matt, of, of like, hey, it's, it's there, and it's happening more and more. Yeah, give them give them that example again, Darren. Which pipeline was it? Yeah, the, the Colonial Pipeline uh, that got shut down. I mean, that was that was ransomware. I mean, that was shut yeah. down by by actors, bad actors. Yeah, and it affected most of the East Coast price-wise and and uh, supply-wise pretty significantly. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and again, that comes back to you know talking about safety and security. You know, uh, most people didn't have a plan, and they were living for that moment of oh, I'll get gas Friday. Well, Friday, yeah. guess what? You can't. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this show is all about: is yeah, is absolutely being prepared and and remaining prepared and never having your vehicle on empty. Yeah. Yep. So it's ironic that that is the last question. Preparedness means different things to different people. So what does it mean to you? You know, it's funny. You had all these, remember the shows that the preppers, I don't even know if they do it anymore, but people would oh. kind of, you know, scoff and laugh and say, oh, that doesn't, yep. people are crazy. But, um, you know, if, for example, when 9 11 happened, I mean, you guys recall, um, you know, things were quiet. And, and really, it was only the eastern seaboard where really things were kind of shut down a little bit. The rest of the mm-hmm. world and the United, the rest of the United States really continued on mm-hmm. um, with our daily functions. And, you know, the shutdown, if you will, if, you know, that on 9-11 lasted a couple of days at most. So it really didn't have as much of an impact. Now, fast forward, you know, we got COVID-19. And, I mean, you just witnessed the re- exact reason why it should, you know, 
preparedness matters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the lack of essentials, uh, things like that, that were the people were facing. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I live uh, pretty remote. I live in upstate New York. Uh, so preparedness for me obviously means, you know, having enough food, you know, to get my family through for at least a month. If I, if, you know, and so a lot of that is, is dry food. So I, I have lots of beans and rice, um, you know, uh, couscous, you know, things like that, you know, it fills the, fills the belly up. All I need mm-hmm. is hot water to heat it, you know, to, to make it. And that's pretty simple to get. Um, and then obviously, uh, enough heat for my family. And, you know, one of the things that I, I made a point was because COVID kept, you know, it, it, you know, we're arguably we're still in it really, but you know, it happened in the spring of 2020 and, uh, I decided to really get into gardening. Oh. And so I started, uh, gardening in our backyard. I made some plots there and, you know, we can get tomatoes and corn and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, just, um, you know, unfortunately I was behind the curve as far as, you know, getting myself prepared. Um, but this incident incentivized me to, to learn more. I like, uh, I was going to tell everybody in Matt and anybody that might be listening when we uh, upload this, uh, Darren's one of those guys that has also taught his children how to fish. And I love that he's posting pictures of them catching little trout and stuff in the streams. And that was a big thing growing up for me when I was a kid, my dad taught me to fish is one of the biggest things in, in my childhood. Uh, and you know, the adage is catch someone a fish they eat for the day teach someone to fish they, they'll be able to eat for life and i just love the fact that you've gone out there and, and taught your kids how to fish that's awesome no i appreciate that ed and you know one of the things i will add actually is that my kids like to they clean them themselves and we mm-hmm. you know we we eat them i mean they're big nice rainbows or browns and, yep. you know and there is you know some people get grossed out by it but it's actually i mean fish is pretty easy to clean and gut yeah i mean yeah. it's very quick yeah uh, it tastes Especially really good trout all right. Well, it's been a, a tremendous pleasure and honor to have you as a guest talking with us on the show. Um, I, I feel honored to be to know you and be friends with you, and uh, you know, had a chance to uh, meet you and get to work with you and everything. And uh, we wish you all the best in your personal and professional life, Darren. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. You know, as always, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, next time we can hang out. And Matt, again, it's been great working with you. And hopefully, you know, when I come out there and visit with Ed, we can all get together sometime. Yeah, very yeah. cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you for fair, your service, sir. Yeah, fair, fair winds and following seas, brother. Thanks. All right, all right take it easy, gentlemen. All right, guys. Take care, Darren. Bye.